0: Amen. Hey,
1: once again we are in our exciting study. What's it called? Freemasonry. That's right, Freemasonry. That's right. And we've been seeing so far just uh, basically the first message we did was just a, what I call a shot across the bow. It was a what Christian morning. And basically, if you profess to be a Christian and you are part of this organization, uh, you need to repent, run, and get right with God. No Christian, nobody, but certainly not Christians, has any business in dealing with this. And so we took a look at the next time, the history of Freemasonry, and to answer the question. Well, wait a second. How in the world is this happening? Christians are getting involved. What, what's going on here? How did the Freemasonry get into not only the United States, you know, hop the pond, the British are coming, the British come. Well, what they brought with them was Freemasonry. That's one of the reasons why. But how did it get in the church? It's crazy. And then you think about this. What are we doing? Freemasonry, what? We just finished uh, 66 studies on the occult with witchcraft, Satanism, voodoo, vampire, shamanism, druidism, all that stuff. And then now we're basically going to occult societies. Then you're going like, wait a second. So this is in the church too? Yeah, which is crazy. So No wonder things are messed up. The church is flooded with the occult, witchcraft, Satanism, voodoo, shamanism, druidism, all that stuff. And now here comes an occult society is also in the church. No wonder. Things aren't looking good, but we took a history lesson. How did that happen? How did they get into the church? Then, to reinforce, you better run and get out of this thing, we took a look at the beliefs of Freemasonry and began to see that, listen, there, this is not even close to compatible. It's completely antithetical to biblical Christianity. A false gospel, things of that nature. Nobody should be a part of it. Again, certainly not a Christian. Uh, it just does not mix. Then the last two times we took a look at these symbols of Freemasonry. Shocker. We're dealing with an occult secret society that is also like the rest of the occult. Witchcraft, Satanism, Shamanism, Voodooism, and all that stuff. They what? They codify their beliefs in symbols. Well, guess what? This occult society, shocker, they do the same thing because they all come from the same root. It's the same practice. So we begin to break down what those symbols mean. Uh, in the last two studies, we saw the square and the compass. We saw the lead G. We saw the all-seeing eye. We saw the blazing star. We saw the lambskin apron, and we saw the gloves, again, symbolizing their works, their purity. It's a false gospel, a works-based false gospel. Then we took a look last time at the beehive, just like the Mormons. uh, The plum and the level. We took a look at the trowel. We took a look at the rough and perfect ashlars. You start out rough, but through the false teachings of Freemasonry and their occult rituals, you can become smooth and make your way into the great lodge in the sky. That's literally what they believe it's a false gospel as we saw there the columns and the pillars the winding staircase through you why you work your way up to heaven is what they believe the masonic shoe the coffins we saw the sheaf of corn the two-headed eagle and finally the checkered floor you're going to see that again tonight representing their belief of the duality of man and you see this all over the place in hollywood then we took a look at yes the sacred handshakes this is not a conspiracy theory they even admit this remember that video of the guy about the, the BBC uh, said, What's up with the secret handshakes? He says, oh, 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 secret handshakes. Yeah. And he says, Well, what is it? Well, I, uh, there, there's no secret about it, whatever, but what, what is it? Well, I, can, I'm not, I can't tell you. <laughs> that means it's a secret. So it's crazy. They really do this. And this is what? This is how they recognize it. It's a, a secret society. So this is how they recognize each other in public, okay, and, think, and give distress signals, including in courts of law. We'll see that again tonight, okay? Uh, and things of that nature, and it wasn't just the secret handshake; it was the secret hand gestures, including the hand in the vest. You're going to see that again tonight, and things of that nature. And you're like, wait a second, beehives, secret rituals, secret handshakes, secret things, and all this stuff. What's that's starting to sound like a Mormonism? Well, that's because it is, right? Joseph Smith, we ended on. He was not only a con artist, a liar, an occultist, a plagiarist, but he was a Freemason, and the secret is out. He, his so-called secret hand gestures in the Mormon temple and his secret rituals are no secret. He ripped them off from Freemasonry. That's where they come from, right? It's all the same thing uh, that's going on there. So now, with that said, uh, we're going to take a look at, well, well, wait a second. Occult society? Secret society, John? You're not one of those people, are you? I hope not, I hope not either. <laughs> because come on, you're, you guys are wackos now. And what are we even talking about this for? That's a conspiracy theory. Don't you want to learn to be a better you? huh? Don't you want to build up your self-esteem right now? Isn't that what the church is? Occult societies, folks are real. And what you're going to see tonight, I've been waiting to get to this section. They're not only real, Freemasonry is real, but they've really been steering things for a long time. Behind the things in secret with their secret handshakes, their secret meanings, their secret bloody oaths. So that if they reveal it, you, well, why haven't we heard about it? The only reason why we've seen what we've seen right now is because by the grace of God, people get saved and come out of this. And then they expose what's going on. Including this guy. Uh, an undercover guy went into a Freemason me- meeting. And here they are. Here's a guy. You're going to notice he's got the hood on. Remember, that means hoodwinked. That's where we get the word hoodwinked. He's hoodwinked. And what it represents is he's in darkness. Anything and everything before Freemasonry is considered in darkness. Even if he professes to be a Christian, it's all dark. And then they take it off and the light of Freemasonry. But anyway, here they are. And if you think that they don't really take bloody oaths, that they will not reveal their secrets, here it is on tape. Just a real quick one.
0: Who comes here?
2: Brother, who has been regularly initiated and an intern apprentice Mason, has the degree of fellow now seek for an ally in Masonry by being raised a discipline degree, to the sublime degree, Master Mason. Is this of your own privilege will in accord?
3: Yes. <coughs> you will say, I, pronounce your name and full, and in an audible tone of voice, repeat after me. I, of my own free will and accord, of my own free will and accord, in addition to my former obligations, in addition to my former obligations, that I will always hail, that I will always hail, forever conceal, forever conceal, and never reveal, never reveal, any of the secret arts, arts or points, any of the secret arts, parts or points of the hidden mysteries of Freemasonry, of the hidden mysteries of Freemasonry, appertaining to the degree, appertaining to the degree, to the degree of, Master Mason, of Master Mason, of Master Mason, to any person, to any person. Under the canopy of heaven. Under the canopy of heaven. Except it be, Except it be furthermore. Furthermore. That I will aid and assist. That I will aid and assist. All, all distressed. All distressed. Worthy brother Master Mason. Worthy brother Master Mason. Their widows, so, widows and orphans. Their widows and orphans. Whithersoever so, dispersed around the globe that I will keep the secrets. That I will keep the secrets. Of a brother Master Mason. Of a brother Master Mason. As my own. As my own when given to me when given to me in charge as such in charge as such furthermore furthermore that I will not give that I will not give the grand hailing sign, the grand hailing sign of this degree of this degree unless I am in real distress unless I'm in real distress or for instruction or for instructor finding myself under no less of penalty finding myself under no less of penalty instead of having instead of having my body severed in twain my body severed Bowels taken, this. My bowels taken, this. Burned to ashes, and burned to ashes.
1: That is so like our membership classes. Ever since we started that, right? Uh, It's just—it's gone through the roof. And then John comes in, and he he says, "I'm going to rip your guts out," and he pokes him with a stick. It's just awesome. People freak out. Are you serious? Maybe it's just me, but I'm thinking you're professing to be a Christian. The moment they asked me to take my shirt off, bare my chest. And then put a blindfold – anybody kind of say, I don't know, maybe this isn't something I should do. But then you take a bloody – this is not a joke, folks. This really goes on. A secret society and under penalty of death, you don't reveal the secrets of what we have. Not just for this lodge individually in your community, but they have a secret plan for the world that they're implementing. We're going to see that tonight, Right? Okay, And but this is what's going on. Okay, And by the way, again, speaking of BBC, as we saw last time, they exposed the secret handshakes. The guy said it wasn't so secret, but then it was so secret he couldn't tell us the secret. So anyway, that was kind of funny. But recently, and this was just uh, two months ago, uh, BBC came out with this giant uh, documentary on Freemasonry. Again, remember, it started over there in England. And uh, and so they kind of exposed some things that's going on there. I'm not going to show the whole one hour and I think 17 minute uh, documentary. But uh, guess who's been um, not only involved in England for uh, centuries, but guess who's been picking the leaders? Watch this from BBC again. Watch this.
4: Freemasonry, an ancient fraternity shrouded in mystery. With roots stretching back to the medieval stonemasons, its age-old traditions have remained virtually unchanged for centuries. When people hear the word Freemason they think about funny handshakes, Uh, they think about rolled up trouser legs. If you do a little bit of googling, it's a cabal of people that are taking over governments and things. Freemasonry, secrecy, secret society, 100%. Now as the Brotherhood celebrates its 300th anniversary, the United Grand Lodge of England is allowing the cameras in for the first time to reveal what really goes on behind closed doors.
1: Right, now, will you bugger off?
4: <laughs> <laughs> With unprecedented access, we lift the veil of secrecy to discover what it means to be a modern-day Freemason.
0: i feeling a bit inadequate. It's a lot of fancy aprons, a lot of fancy aprons.
4: From the regalia... My mum might say I look like a complete wally, but you can never please your mum. Forward, brethren. To the lavish ceremonies. You will seal that with your lips. And ancient rituals.
0: Do you have anything to give in the name of charity? No.
4: All of the rituals that we do, which are like little plays. Oh, I love them. <laughs> oh! And of course, the unbreakable bonds of brotherhood.
3: Yeah. some that, brother. <laughs>
4: <laughs> Describe it, you go, why would anyone want to do that? But once you're in it, You get it. Today, there are six million Freemasons around the world, but London is where it all started 300 years ago. Freemasons Hall in Covent Garden is headquarters to the United Grand Lodge of England and the spiritual home of Freemasonry.
5: This is the Grand Temple for Freemasonry in England. It's the, if you like, the equivalent of Twickenham to English rugby.
4: The right-worshipful Jonathan Spence has been a Freemason since 1982. Now Deputy Grand Master, Jonathan is one of Freemasonry's rulers, third only to the Grand Master himself, His Royal Highness, the Duke of Kent. How does one get to be a ruler? (laughs) Well, <laughs> oh, that's an interesting question. If I knew the answer to that, I might be able to
6: tell you.
1: <laughs> you liar. It's like with a handshake. You know exactly what it is. The Duke of Kent, the guy in charge of the whole thing, This has been going on for 300 years in England. This guy, let me explain this guy. I and mean, he's the head of it all. Was initiated into the Royal Alpha Lodge 1963 was elected the worshipful master. 1965, then he got appointed to the senior grand in 1966 and was elected the grand master. 1967. And he has continued a long line of Freemasons all throughout England. Again, as I said, this is where it started, and this is where has been going for 300 years. And this Duke of Kent guy is the 10th and the longest serving grand master. Uh, There, The Freemasonry in England and in Wales, he's been there. In 2013, he celebrated his 50th year of being a Freemason. And if you don't think that Freemasonry and these guys are not – and they're all over the British royalty, all throughout the British royalty. And it's not a conspiracy theory. And if you don't think they have any bit of picking leaders, world leaders, things of that nature, uh, please put the chicken down. you got Dane Bramage. Uh, You've got to be kidding me because that's exactly what we're going to do. And we're going to see this tonight. They are responsible for steering world events, including things that go on in our own country, right? for world domination. Okay, And again, that's what we're doing. They're not a do-gooders club. It's not just good for business, all that stuff. These guys are part of a Luciferian agenda. Yes, a false gospel. But they also believe, you'll see tonight, that they have a plan that they want to implement across the world to where they believe the planet really needs to worship Lucifer. I'm not joking. You're going to see that tonight. And that's really when you catch that big picture, then it begins to explain why the world's in the shape that it's in. But that's what's going on. So who else is promoting Freemasonry besides Joseph Smith and the British royalty? Well, that's why tonight we're going to take a look at the leaders. The leaders of Freemasonry, okay? And uh, we could be here all day. Or several studies deal with these guys, but I'm going to hit what I call the four big ones uh, that we're going to deal with tonight. But before we do that, once again, let's remind ourselves, okay, why nobody, let alone Christians, should ever be a part of this, and you'll see really tonight, a Luciferian satanic society, because that's really what it is. And God is very blunt about that. 1 Corinthians 15 is our opening text here, right? Why should we not be a part? Of Freemasonry, chum around, say, well, I'm just only hanging out because it's good for kids and help out with the hospitals and do good deeds. No, 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 no. 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to read verses 12 through 14 and then hop down to the conclusion of the context, right? The action step in verses 33 through 34. But 1 Corinthians 14, This is 15, this is the great resurrection chapter. It's all about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And uh, why is the resurrection important? Praise God, one person knows the answer. And it happens to be John who heads up our seminary. Man, that was so appropriate. That's incredible. I feel encouraged now uh, with your leadership skills. Uh, but anyway, uh, but yeah, hello, it's just a small thing. If Jesus didn't rise from the dead, guess what? We're doomed straight to hell. He was still in the grave. That means he was not accepted By God, as the sinless sacrifice that we needed for all of our sins to be forgiven. Kind of a big deal. And that's what Paul is saying here, right? Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, starting with verse 12, says this. And uh, because there were some people in the church that were starting to cave on this. And Paul's like, what? Hello? McFly? it's just, watch this. But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, Paul says here to the Corinthians church, okay? uh, He says this. He says, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your what? Faith. More than that, we've been found to be false witnesses about God because we've been testifying that God raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise from the dead. If, in fact, the dead are not raised, for if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And listen, if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, and you're what? You're still in your sins. In other words, you're still on your way to hell. This whole thing's a pipe dream. Serious stuff. And then those who have also fallen asleep or died in Christ, they're lost. The Christians have already gone. They're lost, if that's true. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep or have died. For since death came through a man, Adam, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man, Jesus, the second Adam, as Paul also says in Romans. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ all will what? We'll be made alive but to each in his own turn. Christ the firstfruits, them, when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. As you're going to see tonight, that includes the Freemasons and their wicked Luciferian plan for the planet. Now, go down to verse 33. Do not be misled. Now, what's the context when he says that? Sometimes we'll quote this passage, you don't understand the context. What's the context? Well, just don't want to be misled. No, misled about what? He's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. This is a serious point. This is at the crux of the gospel. This is the crux of everything that we believe in. This is where we place our eternal hope. And this is a big deal. And people were coming to the church and saying, I don't know about that. I don't think that's really... Don't be misled. That's the context. And then he follows up with this. This is actually a quote from a secular philosopher, Menander, Right, and he says this: bad company what corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought, and stop what sinning. For though there are some who are ignorant of God, and I say this to your what? Shame. <sighs> say this to your shame. Do you guys seem biblical scholars tonight? How many of you guys would say that based on this context? Once again, unfortunately, the Corinthian Christians are in trouble. <laughs> yeah. This is 15, man. The whole thing with Corinthians. You think, man, these guys were messed up. Yeah, praise God, they were messed up because we learned a lot of good truth from it, right? God doesn't condone it. But Paul's what? This church had all kinds of problems. There was divisions. There was sinning going on. There was a guy that was sleeping with his dad's wife. It was, it was all messed up. People playing favorites in the church. All this stuff. And then the next thing else, you know, they were starting to cave on the resurrection of Christ. He was like, What are you doing? And, and Paul, again, I love it. He doesn't mince words, right? He literally says there, come back to your senses. Stop saying, I say this to your shame. Kind of gives away that they're in trouble, right? In fact, what's interesting there is come back to your senses is literally the Greek word eknafo. Let's say that. Eknafo. Now, ek, again, as we saw before. You guys are hooked on Greek. Ek, of course, is where we get the word exit, right? So exit, that's ek, ek, okay? It means to, to go out, exit, right? And Napho, he's talking about uh, coming, you're, literally, you're out of your mind, right? You, you guys are out of your mind, right? Come back to your senses. You're out of your mind. Literally, it means this, to come out of a state of drunkenness. You're out of your right mind. You, you need to become sober. You're, you're like in a drunken stupor. You need to come out of that. And so, oh, what, what? Here, here's what you need to come out of. Here's what you need to come back to your senses. Here's what you need to get back to your right mind about. That hanging around other people who deny God's truth will not lead you astray. That's the point. And the point specifically, they were hanging around other people, false teachers who were denying the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They were ignorant of God. And because they started to hang around with them and continue to hang around with them, they started to slide. Does that ever happen to professing Christians? I'll just give you a couple easy examples. I've seen this happen. It blows me away. And and to pick a you know pick a, pick on another sim, the LGBTQ the alphabet game. I can't tell you how many times that I have seen professing Christians cave on this issue. Right? Now we we are a witness to anybody. But here's the problem. It's what Paul says. Come back to your senses, man. Stop sinning. I say this to your shame. Who's witnessing to who? And if you hang out, and if he says you're not, you better be careful. Do not be misled. Yes, we witness to everybody. We have to. Who else? Who's going to tell them? How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news? Of course, we witness to everybody. But be careful if you get more concerned about a friendship or a relationship than God's truth. Because their beliefs will start to rub off on you. And listen, the next thing that will happen is you're going to start to compromise. Or you're going to go silent. Do not be misled. Come back to your senses. You're in a drunken stupor. But I've seen that happen. People that are like, no, no, the Bible's very clear. Old Testament, New Testament. I mean, what Bible you're reading is so all over the Bible. It's not even funny. God it does not condone. In fact, he even calls it specifically an abomination. The LGBT alphabet gang. Lifestyle a sin. Next thing you know, what do they do? They cave on him. Well, you know, you got to love everybody, right? I have seen professing Christian parents slide on this issue when one of their children decide to go down that sin. And the next thing you know, what do they do? Well, I don't know. Come back to your senses. Do not be misled. God does not change his truth. And this is what was going on here, but it's very applicable today. Yes, we witness to everybody, of course, but you better be careful. When you start keeping your mouth shut and you lose your witness, you better come back to your senses. You're getting into a spiritual drunken stupor thinking that these people aren't going to mislead you. And that's what he's talking about. And again, uh, this is the context that we're talking about tonight is guess what? Freemasonry. Got a witness to everybody, but you better be careful. And this is what blows me away still to this day. How does this stuff stay in the church? How do people who profess to be Christians? Because guess what? You're probably hanging out with somebody. And the next thing you know, he's just, instead of you staying strong, you got misled. But let's take a look about what does that mean? Bad company corrupts good character. Let's take a look at the context here.
6: In his first letter to the Corinthians, the Apostle Paul wrote of the false teachers who had come into the church at Corinth teaching that the resurrection of Jesus Christ wasn't true. These people considered only their physical existence and denied life after death or the resurrection. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 32. As a result, their moral outlook on life influenced the rest of this Corinthian believers. Paul is telling us that in associating with false teachers, we will be adversely influenced by them. The truth is that false teachings do not lead to holiness. As such, it is critical that we are careful whom we form relationships with, especially those outside the church, because unbelievers can cause even the strongest Christians to waver in their faith and adversely affect their walk with Christ and their witness to the world. This is why Paul tells us, do not be misled. The point Paul makes here is pertinent to all people in all ages. When we associate or take delight in the company of people with worldly morals, we run the risk of mimicking their behavior, their language, and their habits. Before long, we are no longer of Christ but of this world with its denial of absolute authority, its rejection of the Bible as the Word of God, and its ideology of relative morality. This is especially pertinent to young people who are generally easily influenced by their peers. Young people are desperate for the approval of others. So motivated are they by the need for acceptance that godly wisdom and decision-making can go out the window in the face of peer pressure. Therefore, it is crucial for parents of young teens, especially to be on guard against the influence of bad company.
1: And that would include the secular school system. Do you wonder why we promote homeschooling? I actually uh, before we had the privilege to start homeschooling here at our old facility, I won't tell you the names, but there was a one family, ma'am, broke my heart. and uh, been coming to sunrise, grown strong, and uh, had several kids, great kids, very active in the church. And for a while there they were really considering, we, we even back then before we had it really easy now for you, homeschooling. Uh, My wife and I had always done that with our kids, to protect our kids. Bad company corrupts good character. And uh, whatever the rationale was, they just feel that they couldn't do it. And they were okay for a while. But the secular school system got their kids. And these kids, raised in a church environment, uh, at least two of them that I know, guess what? Sooner or later, they started to go down the alphabet game why? because bad company corrupts good character and 8 hours a day of programming of your kids that it's okay to go down this route and encourage you and to even say keep these secrets from your parents you you don't think it's going to affect them and that's just the secular school system what about social media go down that route Parents still monitor what your kids are watching on TV, music, and all that stuff? Say, oh, they got it right. No, they don't. Not in my house. Why? Because I love you. Bad company corrupts good character. And the enemy will get you any way he can. If he can't get you through the second school system, he'll get you through television and the music and things of that nature. And we need to protect our kids from that because it will influence them. And, and what do kids do? Guess what? Man, why is my kid all of a sudden starting to curse? Well, listen to the music they're listening. Have you, have you paid attention? And on and on it goes. Right, and, and this, again, includes music, TV, social media, alphabet gang, secular schools, and again, what's tonight? Freemasonry. Freemasonry will probably start, Lord willing, the next study. Believe it or not, they have all different kinds of groups or what I'm going to call branches. And some of those branches, I kid you not, are, listen, Freemasonry has youth groups. And they're out there sucking kids up, preparing them for the next generation of Freemasonry. And they're even combined in the church. My wife and I have dealt with them. And we had scathing rebukes on us for telling their kids in the church that Freemasonry is not of God. This is the stuff that's going on. Bad company corrupts good character. And we need to tell the truth because guess what? Eternity's on the line. Freemasonry is another false gospel leading people not only astray, but straight into hell. And when you teach the truth and you don't compromise, yes, we've got to hang out with people by all means. Don't be in an isolated Christian bubble. But Paul's point is you better be careful that if it gets you in their relationship that they're starting to witness more to you, they're influencing more of you, and sometimes that's by your silence or your compromise, then you better come back to your senses. You're sliding. But when you don't slide and you preach the truth, this is what happens. In fact, this just happened. Uh, We're on part six. This is from our last study, Freemasonry part five. Some lady just made a random comment on one of our channels, and she said this, and I quote, Why do we do what we do? Why are we teaching the truth? Including about this, because she said, quote, My husband is giving notice to the Masons, and he is leaving this organization. I praise Jesus for this commitment. Please, Pastor Billy, Sunrise, remember us in prayer. And for my husband to grow in Christ, yours truly, JK, is all she signed. The truth is what will set you free. Not compromise. Don't be misled. Don't let them in. And that's the whole point. Be careful in your relationships with other people as you're out there witnessing. And if you've stopped witnessing, you better come back to your senses. Because they're pulling you down, right? So we're going to take a look at that tonight, the leaders of Freemasonry, who's responsible for spreading this baloney besides Joseph Smith uh, and uh, the British royalty. Well, we're going to take a look at some of those, and we're going to break down the four big ones I call it. The first one is a manly pee And Now, is that a manly pitcher? Well, it is because his name is Manly, first of all. But boy, is that an advertisement? Hey, join Freemasonry. Be like me. Whatever. But hey, this is straight out of the occult, this Freemasonry, and you wonder why these people end up looking like this? Well, there's a reason why, right? It'll destroy you from the inside out. Manly P. Hall. Now, in their own writings, the Freemasons called this guy the explorer of the mysteries, the mystery religion. We're going back to Egypt and all that stuff. We'll see that tonight. But his name is Manly Palmer Hall. Apparently, he didn't like Palmer, right? And, uh, uh, but Manley Palmer Hall, P. Hall, he was a Canadian author, lecturer, astrologer, mystic, and Freemasonry. Over his 70-year career, he gave thousands of lectures, published hundreds of volumes of books. His best-known one is called "The Secret Teaching of All Ages." It has nothing to do; it's kind of like a New Agey occult thing, whatever. Uh, but in 1934, he founded this uh, uh, society. It's called the Philosophical Research Society in L.A. Still there to this day, merged with Freemasonry. Okay, and uh, it exists to promote the study of the world's wisdom literature. Notice it's not Christianity. And again, it's, it's, these guys are all in on the one world religion. All religions are the same. You can glean truth from everything. It's a New Agey concept and things of that nature. Uh, Hall also believed that the accumulated wisdom of mankind was the birthright of every individual. So this is what you need. Don't, don't listen to those people like John that Jesus is the only way. Don't be like those Christian fundamentalists. Right? You can glean from all religions. This is the heartbeat of Freemasonry. Right? And this, they maintain a library of over 50,000 volumes, and there are all kinds of books, metaphysical books, esoteric books, basically occult and all that kind of stuff. But again, he was born in Canada to Louise Palmer Hall, uh, a, 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 a chiropractor and a member of the Rosicrucian Fellowship. So right there, another secret society. Early on, he's getting influenced. influence. Uh, his dad was a dentist, but he didn't really know much of his dad, it says. And so in 1919, he goes to L.A., from Canada with his birth mom to Santa Monica, and uh, he soon became drawn into mysticism, esoteric philosophies, and all that stuff. So his mom basically got him in, in, involved in this. Now, listen to this. This is crazy. This is crazy. You're thinking, how did this stuff get in the church? Watch this. In 1919, so do the math. He was 18 years old. Hall, okay, so back it up here. This guy, 18 years old, he took over as preacher of the Church of the People name of the church, at Trinity Auditorium in downtown L.A., okay? And then a year later, you're thinking, well, hey, you became a Christian. Just because you're a preacher don't make you a Christian. A year later, he, he booked, booked his first lecture on the topic of reincarnation. This guy's in the church. Uh, Hebrews 9.27 says what? It is appointed man to die once, then face judgment. There is no reincarnation. You get one shot at it. If you get it wrong, you go to hell, right? Then, that was bad enough, then he was ordained minister in the church of the people in 1923. And then only a few days after his ordination, he was elected, and a quote, permanent pastor of the church. And he's out there teaching reincarnation. And it wasn't just that. Then he starts uh, producing other works, including the lost, Freeze, uh, lost keys of Freemasonry. When he's in this church. How did this guy get behind the pulpit? How did he get? Who made the decision to let this guy in and stay there? This is the kind of stuff that goes on in churches. Then you're like, well, how did he, how did he get so active? How, how did he get his library? How did he get to go explore all these religions around the planet and mysticism? Well, here it became uh, two ladies, uh, Carolyn Lloyd and her daughter Estelle from Ventura, California. Had a lot of money. They were wealthy. They began sending him a large uh, bunch of, of cash. And so now he's got with these funds, he travels throughout Europe and Asia to study the lives, the customs, and the religions of people in those re- regions. While visiting London in the 30s, uh, he began to uh, get a giant collection of rare books on uh, alchemy, the occult, and things of that nature. Uh, and then again, he starts writing his books during the, quote, metaphysical movement in the United States. We saw in our previous studies With Voodoo, Vampires, and Rise of Demon Worship, we dealt with that spiritualism, the poltergeist, the table tapping, all that kind of stuff that was rampant in our country. So that's when he was doing that. Uh, He also uh, did other books such as the Dionysian Artificers in 1936, which again tells you where he's getting this from, uh, and the Freemasonry of Ancient Egyptians, the Masonic Orders for the Fraternity. So this guy's involved with Freemasonry. He's involved in the, quote, unquote, church and things of that nature. And his source of truth has absolutely nothing to do with this. He's going around the world grabbing every kind of religious book, uh, occult book, esoteric book, spiritual book he can, and he's mishmashing it all together. And he says, quote, uh, his mission in life was to provide practical and profound wisdom to seekers at all stages of life. He received a a 33-degree mason uh, in the Scottish Rite, And listen to what he said. And I quote, this is Manly P. Hall. A true Mason is not creed bound. He realizes with the divine illumination of his lodge that as a Mason, listen, his religion must be universal. Remember that guy that I confronted in my very first senior pastor? Got mad at me because I was sharing the exclusivity of Christianity, of Christ on the cross, as opposed to every other religion on the planet. And what did he tell me? I've seen a lot of you come and a lot of you go. Big old dude. He was a Freemason. Basically, shut your mouth. We don't want to hear that kind of stuff. You can't talk about other religions. Why? Because that's what Freemasoners believe. He goes on. He says, Buddha, Muhammad, the name means Christ. The name means little. For he, the Mason, recognizes only the light and not the bearer. He worships at, listen, every shrine bows before every altar, whether in temple, mosque, or cathedral. No true Mason can be narrow. What's the scripture say? Narrow? It's the one that leads to life. For his lodge is the divine expression of all broadness. He actually uses that phrase. Yeah, the broad road that leads to uh, destruction. Quote, there is no place for little minds in a great work. Manly p Hall. But here in this video, he shows where he gets his underpinnings from. And it's from the ancient Egyptian mystery religions. Let's take a look at that.
5: The Greeks and Romans both acknowledge ancient Egypt as the source of great ancient wisdom. A mysterious land of riddles, whose secrets were considered the highest prize to some of the greatest minds in history. Sacred science was the original unified source of the myriad streams of modern mysticism, occultism, esotericism, and magical disciplines that exist today. These Universal Secrets were contained and kept alive in the Mystery Schools. The term Mystery Schools refers not to a specific place or time in Ancient Egypt, but the timeless teachings passed down through word of mouth, encrypted into the temples, concealed and enshrined behind a veil of hieroglyphs and symbolism. Entrance to the temples that held the secrets was tightly restricted. They were the domain of royalty, priests, and privileged initiates. Forefathers of modern thought, such as Pythagoras, Plato, and others, tell of waiting more than 20 years preparing before acceptance into the mystery schools. The secret teachings were known as esoteric or occult or symbolist teachings and were held to contain the secrets of the universe and the keys to great magic. Over the millennia, the temples fell into ruin and eventually so did the teachings they enshrined. All hope of reconnection to the wisdom of the past seemed lost. In an attempt to guard the magic from abuse at the hands of the profane public, the mystery schools went into hiding. The ancient secrets were shrouded in allegory and symbol and placed under the guardianship of various streams of initiatic societies.
3: In the 20th century, the Count was further supported by Masonic philosopher Manly P. Hall. Hall claimed that Atlantis had once been a vast and mighty empire that extended to the whole world a philosophic commonwealth of nations that one day was destined to be rebuilt. But who would rebuild it? The current president of Hall Society is Dr. Obadiah Harris, shown here in what is called the Wisdom Library at PRS. According to their website, the library is made up of writings that deal with divination, tarot cards, Kabbalah, alchemy, astrology, Metaphysics,
1: Buddhism, Theosophy, and secret societies. So, where did you get this idea of Freemasonry about all these secret rites, secret temples, secret rituals, secret initiates, and and then you hide from the public what you really believe, and only those on the end know through symbols of your teaching? Where's it all coming from? The ancient occult. Teachings of the mystery religions in Egypt. That's how far back it goes? This is where they get us. Nothing's new under the sun. They just revamped it, and that's the whole premise, right? So all the just coming together. But that was the first guy. Now that guy was again, by definition, he was called the Masonic, the big one who's big on the mysteries. Now this next guy, this next leader was this guy Eliphaz Levi, and this is their term, not mine. He's known as the Masonic magician. Okay. And when he's talking, he's not talking about pulling a rabbit out of a hat. We're talking dark occult uh, stuff. And that's this guy, Eliphaz Levi. And uh, he was, uh, if you guys recall, we brought him up in our study on Satanism. Okay, he was a part of that root as well. Well, he goes into Freemasonry and brings this element into it. His name is Eliphaz Levi Zahed, but he was born Alphonse Louis Constant. He was a French esoteric poet and writer. He initially pursued a career uh, in the Catholic Church but abandoned that to become a, quote, ceremonial magician. At the age of 40, he began professing knowledge of the occult, and he wrote over 20 books on magic, the Kabbalah, which is the Jewish mysticism, alchemical uh, studies, which basically through the uh, ancient branch and you could learn to transform things, occultism, all that stuff. His name, Eliphaz Levi, was an anagram, basically a word scramble of his real name into Hebrew is where he got that. But he he gained renown as a, quote, original thinker and writer. His works attracted the attention of Paris and London among the not just esoterists, the spiritualists, back when everybody's going crazy about all this Toe tapping, spirit and all that kind of stuff. But also the romantic period, which we saw, uh, has nothing to do with courting your wife. That was early Satanism, where it became the cool thing to think that the Bible got it wrong, Christians got it wrong. Satan, Lucifer, the light bearer, is really a good guy. That, that's that crowd, right? Uh, he also, again, obviously was a part of the French Masonic Organization. And uh, he also was influenced by many different authors himself in the occult, including, if you remember, Swedenborg, as we saw in our New Age study, getting messages from the spirit world. So this helped influence that guy. He also, and this is this Levi guy here, he was also influenced by, again, secular philosophers, the Greek philosophers, Plato, the esoterists, and things of that nature. Uh, But also, again, the Rosicrucians, another secret society. Right? So you get a whole blend going on. Now his early life, again, he was the son of a shoemaker in Paris. Again, he starts out thinking he's going to become a Catholic monk. Uh, he disbands that. Uh, although he was ordained a Catholic deacon and, quote, remained a cleric for the rest of his life. How does that work out? I don't know. Uh, around 1838, he was influenced by another guy, a mystic, a guy named Simon Gonneau. He had an illegitimate uh, son, uh, El- Eliphaz, a uh, Levi guy. Uh, His child never bore his name, but they say that today the descendants of the son are still living in France. But basically in 1850, at the age of 40, he has a, quote, spiritual crisis. And this is where he begins to go super deep in the occult and things of that nature. He incorporated tarot cards into his magical system. And he began to influence the magic, the black arts, on the group that we saw before called the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. Now, why is that important? Because out of that became a guy you may be more familiar with, Aleister Crowley. So this guy influenced Aleister Crowley, who secular world, only God would know if this were true, but they considered him, even the secular world, the most evilest man that ever lived. And he was the one that influenced the Beatles Led Zeppelin, the music industry, Hollywood, still to this day, Jack Parsons uh, of JPL Laboratories, the rocket industry, uh, as well as L. Ron Hubbard who used to work together and do these experiments they got from Aleister Crowley in black magic. We dealt with that in our Scientology study. This is crazy. But this Eliphaz Levi guy, he influenced him. So that tells you where he comes from. Now let's get specific. He was also, and this is that Eliphaz guy, Freemasonry contact here. He was the first one to declare that the pentagram or the 5 pointed star uh, that if you have one point down and two points up, it represents evil. But if you have one point up and two points down, it represents good. Again, this guy by the Freemasons is called the Masonic Magician. Okay, He also influenced Helena Blavatsky and the Theosophical Society we saw before, which again is early forerunners of modern-day Satanism. So this guy was right in the thick of it, influencing these folks. And I quote, he was also a proponent, tells you where this idea came from, Socialism. I wonder who gave him that idea. All right. He also admitted, and I quote, the operations of magic, science, are not devoid of danger. Their result may be madness for those who are not established and produce terrible and incurable diseases or death. Also, this guy is the one who is responsible for this, the Baphomet. Okay. Uh, he uh, dealt with this uh, this symbol that he believed in his black magic, art, worship, Satan, Lucifer's a good guy. Uh, that uh, it dealt with the, quote, dualistic nature of life. Remember the checkered floors? That's what the checkered floors and Freemasonry represent. Uh, but he said that uh, one arm pointing skyward while one was pointing down represents the occult phrase, as above, so below. And so basically, this is where this guy comes from. And again, Freemasons, he merges with them Uh, and brings all this on top of the ancient Egypt occult rituals and mystery religions. Now you got the black arts merging with them as well, thanks to this guy with the Baphomet. We know that the Freemasons are all over the place in the government, in our courts of law and things of that nature. And so then you go back to this is the guy who was responsible for this thing. And then he's with Freemasonry, and then it's like, well, why are we starting to see these things all over our courts of law? Is it just a random act? Is it just from the Satanists? Or is there another element that's bringing this to the table that no matter what we do, and when we go to court, people keep being allowed to do this. Hopefully they're not doing some secret sign to shove this through, that they're bound by a bloody oath, you better. It's crazy. But this is just from two weeks ago. Another one of these things popped up in Iowa at the court, and uh, with all due, re- known to all due respect, this is how we should respond like this guy did. Watch this.
6: A satanic temple has set up a display inside the Iowa State House. It's the holiday season, and even secular government buildings display decorations for holidays that are rooted in religion, like Christmas trees and menorahs. For 14 days, the Satanic Temple has erected a display alongside these major religious symbols inside the rotunda of the Iowa State Capitol.
3: Cassidy's arrested, and he's charged with fourth-degree criminal mischief. He's been released, and Americans are rallying behind him. Let's bring in Michael Cassidy and his attorney, Davis Yance. So, Michael, was this something that you plotted or is this something you just did on the spur of the moment?
7: Uh, thanks for having me, Jesse. This was uh, certainly a, a, a spur of the moment kind of thing. I, I saw that this uh, was going on. I was surprised that it that the legislature allowed it up and that they didn't do anything to take it down, just to, to take it down. And... Um, so I, I got to the Capitol and I didn't know what to expect when I got there, just like that scene in Illinois with tons of people chanting and whatnot, um, I didn't know what was going to be there, but nobody (laughs) was there, um, and it, it offended me. It touched a nerve. It was, uh, you know, righteous indignation. I call it, you know, Christian, uh, civil disobedience, disobedience. Um, and yeah, so I, I, took the, the statue that was there and it, or the, the idol, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and then it's no longer there.
3: How precisely did you decapitate Satan? <coughs> pulled his head off.
1: Now that's a man. <laughs> you know what so i Pulled his head off. Right. But again, is this by chance? Again, oh, it's just those Satanists. No, what's the underpinnings of Freemasonry, including the Baphomet? But notice is, what's the justification? Well, you got the menorah, you got the Christian cross, you got all religions, you got Kwanzaa for the Africans. But where's that mindset coming? Is it just New Agers or is it Freemasons? Specific- and then why are all places courthouses? And you're allowing this? Well, who's working in the courthouse? Exactly. You see where it's coming from? So I think it adds another element of what we're seeing, who's really secretly behind the scenes pushing this agenda. right? Now, for, for just as we close with this guy, Eliphaz Levi, you go, know, well, how's it, it, really, he, he, the other guy brings the mystery religions and all that stuff, the Egypt way back then, the secret rites and all that stuff into Freemasonry, but this guy brings in the occult and black magic on top. Yeah, he is remembered as this Eliphaz Levi guy, and this is from the Freemasons. As one of the key founders of the 20th century revival of magic, going so far as to become an influential figure on the writings of brother Freemason, brother Albert Pike, and many others, which we're gonna to get to in just a little bit. So he's a direct influence on Freemasonry, as crazy as it sounds. The third one is this guy, Albert Mackey, okay, and who apparently had a moment of truth. Right, even though people who go to church services say, "Oh no, it's a, it's just like Christianity, Freemasonry, it's all that," and this guy said, "quote, the religion of Freemasonry is not Christian." So at least he had a moment of truth, right? Uh, and he also admitted it was a what, a religion, right? So he admitted both things in one. But this guy, Albert Gallatin Mackey, 1807-1881, he was an American medical doctor. But he's most well known for his books and articles and everything about Freemasonry, as well as what's called Masonic landmarks, basically the teachings of landmarks of Freemasonry. Don't you ever budge from them, right? Which, again, is crazy in our context. What was the church doing in Corinth? What are are professing Christians doing today? We're never supposed to budge from this, but what are we doing? You're you're budging. But basically, that's what they mean by Masonic landmarks. There's the landmark, this is our teaching, you can't ever budge from it. So this guy was big on that. He's uh, born in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, He was the son of John Mackey. He was a physician as well, so he follows in his father's uh, footsteps as a doctor initially. Uh, His son, Albert Mackey's son, Edmund William McGregor McHackie, he goes into the U.S. House of Representatives. So again, another Freemason growing into the government, been there for a long time. He uh, abandoned the practice of medicine in 1844, and then he devotes the rest of his life to Freemasonry. Now, Dr. Albert Mackey... Uh, He was the primary founder of the Scottish Rite Freemasonry, that branch uh, in the United States. Uh, He turned exclusively to the investigation of, because we'll see this shortly, the symbolism of Freemasonry, okay, as well as uh, the Kabbalistic and the Talmudic. Research is basically the Jewish mysticism again. So he's bringing that element in there. He also was a delegate and the president of the 1868 South Carolina Constitutional Convention. He ran for the United States Senate in South Carolina and later moved to Washington, D.C. in 1870. So this guy was in the thick of everything, including our government way back then. He died in 1881. His books include Lexicon of Freemasonry, The Principles of Masonic Law, The Mystic Tie, The Encyclopedia of Freemasonry, The History of Freemasonry, Its Legends and Traditions, Masonry Defined, The Manual of the Lodge, and again, The Symbolism of Freemasonry. Albert Mackey was a 33 degree mason. And he wrote the book on symbolism. 33 degree. These guys are everywhere and numbers mean everything to these guys. And when you catch that, and this is again, they're not going to shout from the rooftops, Hey, we're Freemasons and we're following a Luciferian plan to take over the world. That's too obvious by definition. They're what a secret society. So how do they communicate to others where they're at? what status of life they're involved in, how they're helping in this area or that area move their Luciferian plan forward. Secret handshakes, secret gestures, but also the symbolism, including the numerology. So, just to give you an idea of that, since this guy wrote the book on it, Mackey, let's focus on 33 for a second. This is crazy. It's everywhere. Watch this, this is wild.
0: The way this is done subliminally is by using two M's. This is because the letter M looks like three sideways. So these sorcerers use two M's together to make 33. And here are some examples. I can see a Mickey Mouse, MM. And when you turn it sideways, it reads 33. It, it, 33 is in a lot of Disney productions and we see an obsession with the number 33 in Disney programs. We see 33 constantly being associated with these satanic organizations and their products such as Club 33 in uh, Disneyland and George Soros spending 33 million dollars and it's also constantly putting fake events and news stories. Why do the Freemasons constantly and repeatedly use the number 33 in so many of their productions? Their movies, their cartoons, their video games, the so-called news, their so-called history books, and coded into many of their fake names as well. To me, it's obvious that the reason why they do it so often must be that they actually want us to associate them with with this number. Let's look at some examples. I'm not going to give all the examples here because there are hundreds if not thousands of examples that other people have uh, talked about in the past such as the names of many celebrities and famous politicians being 33 in Pythagorean numerology such as uh, Clinton Uh, and also terms like false flag are 33 as well in uh, the same Pythagorean uh, numerology and even the word police is 33. By the way, here's one I just discovered recently. Do you want to know what order out of chaos means? The word order is 33 and the word chaos is 19. Well
7: we just had an incredible visit up at NIH at the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Disease that Dr. Fauci leads and the president got to hear from the actual bench scientist who within three days, within three days, developed a potential vaccine for the novel coronavirus. And they reported some really important news to the president, that yesterday, the Food and Drug Administration authorized the entry of that vaccine into phase one safety clinical trials.
3: 33 confirmed
7: positive tests. We have 33
3: Pennsylvanians who have tested positive COVID-19. Today we have 33 cases. There were 33 new cases. The state of Minnesota today reported 33 new COVID-19 related deaths. There are 33 confirmed cases in Arkansas.
1: That's the largest single day increase so far, raising the total to 33.
2: 33, 33.
1: There were 33 confirmed uh, cases
4: in North Carolina. 33. There was 33 everywhere. Yes. I, I I think that was... I, was, I think that was Red Team Go. I think 33 yes, is like yeah. Red Team Go. Everybody goes, okay, let's do it. It's time.
1: Yeah, 100%. I was, what? Dude, and there's you, like literally
4: 1,000 33s and yes. 33 new cases. 33 people died.
7: The number 33, we all know what that represents. Everywhere. Every single day, it was like, well, 12 more cases, which now brings the state to 33. Yeah. 33 yes. cases today. Yes. We yes. had 11 cases, which now it's 33. 33 more people out dumb you have to see to not understand this is going on yeah Yeah, that was the that was green light go we're off to the races yeah
4: history is truly at a turning point it'll take time to restore chaos and
3: order but we we're order out of chaos but we will
1: in your face you know the mathematical probability of All those 33s just happen to be with that particular order out of chaos agenda. It's impossible. But what does it tell you? Who was behind it? Only if you're a part of their club do you know they send out these signals. They're all working together. As you're going to see in the next guy, that's the tip of the iceberg. They've been steering things behind the scenes for a long time. And you see that with the fourth and final guy, this guy, Albert Pike. Now he's called, this is the other guy was the symbolism guy. This one guy is called, this is from the Freemasons, the visionary Freemasonry. And you'll see why. Because he had a very important demonic vision, a Luciferian vision that they've been working for a long time now to pull off. But he was a 33-degree mason right? Shocker. Born in Massachusetts in 1809. And he is heralded, this guy, as the man most responsible for the growth and success of the Scottish Rite uh, in the mid-19th century, not only in America, but, quote, to their international fraternity uh, as it became. Uh, And guess who uh, anointed him into the uh, degrees? The previous guy, Albert Mackey. Right? With so now, with this Pike guy. He was not only a prominent Freemason, he was an author, poet, orator, editor, lawyer, and uh, a Confederate States Army general. Also, an associate justice of the Arkansas Supreme Court. Uh, so, again, he's involved in the government as well. He was an imposing figure, very big guy. It's like the guy that looked down on me. He was big. But this guy, he was six feet tall, 300 pounds. With hair that reaches soldiers, uh, shoulders and a long beard. He eventually ends up in Arkansas, uh, where he was a racist on top of everything else. He uh, gets to Arkansas. He signs the pamphlet exposing the expelling of all free African Americans from Arkansas, stating quote, "Evil is the existence among us of a class of free colored persons." He received an honorary degree from Harvard. And he also uh, joined first the Order of the Oddfellows. Hmm, maybe we'll have to get into that uh, down the road along with the other ones, the subgroups. Then he goes to the Masons uh, after that. Following the Civil War, this is interesting, this Albert Pike guy, this guy, he faced charges of treason as a Confederate. However, and I quote, listen to this, this is intriguing, President Andrew Johnson who assumed office after Abraham Lincoln's assassination, granted Pike a pardon on April 22, 1866, and even met him at the White House the following day. Then in June, allegations emerged that Albert Pike and other Scottish Rite Freemasons initiated President Johnson into Freemasonry, and then he eventually achieved the 33 degree later. wonder why Lincoln was assassinated wonder who assassinated him. And then just so happens, his replacement lets this guy go free. Interesting. Pike died in 1891, at the age of 81, but his legacy, uh, he has a memorial erected to him in Washington, D.C., the statue, uh, as a Freemason, and quote, he's the only former Confederate military officer with an outdoor statue in Washington, D.C. If you remember the George Floyd protests in 2020, while everybody else was supposed to be inside because you're going to die from this bug that's just the flu, these people were allowed in mass to go out and protest. Remember all that stuff? Remember that blunder? Remember the hypocrisy? But it was his statue that they uh, set it ablaze and tore it down because not only his association with the Confederacy but also his association with the Ku Klux Klan. Also, there is a quote Albert Pike Memorial Temple in Little Rock, Arkansas. Remember, he was stationed, he was headquartered, if you will, in Arkansas. Arkansas. He was involved in the government in Arkansas. He was a Freemason. Who came out of Arkansas? Remember where they got their start? Same place as Albert Pike's headquarters. Interesting. Pike sojourn into the cult. Uh, accusations, and this is coming from secular researchers, that they uh, he, that he was quote conjuring the devil, engaging in sexual orgies. He was involved with the Hermetic Order, the, the occult Rosicrucians, another uh, secret society, and Masonry. But his basic big textbook for Freemasonry, you may have heard of it, is called the Morals and Dogma of Freemasonry. But it's coming from this guy. Okay. He also ascended to the position of Grand Master and within the order of what was called the Palladio Council of Wisdom, quote, a Luciferian organization that originated in Paris in 1737. This involvement with that group led him further into the occult and helped him to, quote, redefine and bring this element, Luciferian element, into, guess where? Freemasonry, which is already off track anyway. But now he brings in this element. Now, here's why they call him the Visionary. Because it's his vision that he got that laid out the plan for humanity. The Freemasonry plan for the planet. How they're going to bring utopia to the planet. This is what they're working on behind the scenes. And this is from Albert Pike's vision that he got. It involved... Remember, he was doing this 1870s of that nature. What you're going to see is this is from a book written in 1925 coming quoting Albert Pike in but the 1870s. But in order to get to the Luciferian utopia that Freemasonry is going to bring to the planet, it's going to involve three world wars. Watch this. This is directly from his writings that he got from The Demonic Realm, watch this.
6: The year is 1871. Albert Pike writes a mysterious letter to Giuseppe Mazzini that contains within a prediction for three world wars. Albert Pike had an interesting background. He was fluent in multiple languages and fought for the southern states as a Confederate general. He's famously known as a 33 degree Freemason and a Satanist Luciferian and was one of the top leaders in the Ku Klux Klan. His vision of the future originates from his occult background and his supposed communications with the demonic. What you're about to hear is a description of a dream, and in this dream, he predicted three world-changing wars.
2: The First World War, he said, must be brought about, and I'm quoting from Albert Pike. The First World War must be brought about in order to permit the Illuminati To overthrow the power of the czars in Russia and of making that country a fortress of atheistic communism. The divergences caused by the agents of the Illuminati between the British and German empires will be used to foment this war. At the end of the war communism will be built and used in order to destroy the other governments and in order to weaken the religions. Now Students of history will know that Otto von Bismarck forged a certain alliances between 1871 and 1898, uh, which brought about this war, this World War I. And Otto von Bismarck here says that he was a co-conspirator with Albert Pike. <coughs> And he was the one instrumental in bringing about the First World War. He says, quote, The Second World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences between the fascists and the political Zionists. This war must be brought about so that Nazism is destroyed and that the political Zionism must be, will be strong enough to institute a sovereign state of Israel and Palestine. During the Second World War, international communism must become strong enough in order to balance Christendom which would then be uh, restrained and held in check until the time when we would need it for the final social cataclysm. Well, there are some who may argue that the terms Nazism and Zionism were not known in 1871. Uh, You should remember, however, that the Illuminati invented both of these movements. In addition, communism as an ideology and as a coined phrase, originates in France during the Revolution. In, eight, in 1785, Restive coined the phrase four years before the Revolution broke out. Then he has this vision, in this vision, not only one world war and two world wars, but here comes the Third World War. He says, and I quote, The Third World War must be fomented by taking advantage of the differences caused by the agents of the Illuminati between the political Zionists and the leaders of the Islamic world. Yeah, that's what he says. The war, this was 1925. Please understand that. Uh, at least 1925. May go all the way back to 1871 as is purported to do, but at least it was written in a book and published. The war must be conducted in such a way that Islam the Muslim arabic world, and political Zionism, the state of Israel, mutually destroy each other. That's what it says. Meanwhile, the other nations, once more divided on this issue, will be constrained to fight to the point of complete physical, moral, spiritual, and economic exhaustion. We shall unleash the nihilists and the atheists, and we shall provoke a formidable social cataclysm in which... In all its horror will show clearly to the nations the effect of absolute atheism, origin and savagery, and of the most bloody turmoil. So he's against Christianity and he's against atheism. They're supposed to fight each other to the death, you see. Then, he says, everywhere the citizens obliged to defend themselves against the world minority of revolutionaries will exterminate those destroyers of civilization and and the multitude, disillusioned with Christianity whose deistic spirits will from that moment be without compass or direction, anxious for an ideal, but without knowledge where to render its adoration, will receive the true light through the universal manifestation of the pure doctrine of Lucifer brought finally out in the public view. This manifestation will result in the general reactionary movement which will follow the destruction of Christianity and atheism, both conquered and exterminated at the same time. Well, I don't know if it's true, but I can tell you that it sure has played into what is being carried on in um, the Middle East today. And it looks like every, everything from World War I and World War II with the development of the state of Israel and with the Zionist movement and the communist movement and the atheist movement and the peppering down of persecution on the Christians of this world, it looks like that may be Lucifer's attempt at annihilation of us all um, so that Lucifer will appear in the form, of course, of what the Bible calls the Antichrist, and establish peace on earth for mankind. (laughs) I got news for all those Illuminatists. There won't be a fight between Christianity and atheism because we will be gone. I can tell you this. They're all going to be thrown into the lake of fire. So says the Word of God, and I believe it from cover to cover.
1: And that's why we don't budge. The Bible is the only book on the planet that tells us where these Freemasons are steering and have been steering our planet for a long time. Remember, they believe Satan's a good guy. Lucifer, the light bearer, he's the one. We need to follow what he says and establish a one world government, a one world religion, follow a one world ruler and we could finally Bring peace to the planet. Oh, and the eradication, of course, of Christianity. The Bible is the only book on the planet that tells us what these guys really are up to. They've been duped by Satan, and they can call it Freemasons' plan for the ages, whatever you want to call it, Pike's vision. But it's the Antichrist kingdom that you don't want to have any part of. And guess what? Did you see how it was all staged? Out of the ashes of World War III. And the third one would be between who? The Jewish people and the Muslims. What's going on in the news right now. Out of the ashes of that, the world in such a state of chaos that they created on purpose would come the Antichrist. And what would the world cry out for? Peace and safety. Peace and safety, the Bible says. And then, boom. Sudden destruction will come upon them. Interesting. Man, we've been duped for a long time, haven't we? Yeah? Yeah. Interesting. How'd they get away with it? Well, they're a secret society. They do it in secret. They tell each other where they're at through their numbers and symbolism and handshakes and all that stuff. But they've been recruiting people, young and old alike. And that's why next time we're going to begin to explore all the different branches of Freemasonry Right? Because they're out there recruiting people under the umbrella of different names. But it all leads back to this root. And so we'll begin to expose that as well. Why? Because that's bad character. And it's going to corrupt people if we don't get the truth out. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for our study tonight. Thank you for your word. Again, being comforted that even though these guys may have a long-term, satanic, literally luciferian plan for mankind, you're the one that's in control. And once again, showing us the value of your word. The Bible from you, God, is the only book on the planet that exposes what these guys are really up to. It's wild. So thank you, God. Otherwise, we'd be in the dark of what's really going on in the world scene. But you also told us the good news that we're going to be out of here before they establish that. But if we have an ounce of compassion, including on Freemasons, whoever, We would let as many people know as possible that there's one way out of this mess. There will be a third war coming. And it literally will be a satanic war. But they can escape it all. And your wrath to be poured out on these wicked people following Satan. Because you're going to have the last word on it. They could escape it all if they were to receive Jesus Christ their Savior. That's the truth we need to get out. Now. As fast as we can. Before You come and get us. So if anything, God, may we leave here with an even greater appreciation of your word. But even a greater urgency to share your good news to as many as we can. Nothing else matters at this point as we await your soon return. We love you and we pray and ask all these things in your wonderful name. In Jesus' name and all God's people. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries. And I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple of things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God, who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God, out of love, gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So, let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, The the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying. Okay. How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand. Okay. Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. uh, uh, Even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead. Okay, that's the same thing. Uh, It's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of 10. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what do we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm a I'm a liar. I'm a thief, I'm a blasphemer, I'm an adulterer, I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step, to admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God, both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The, The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes That we've committed against him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven right and we've actually seen this work in real life Uh, for instance uh, there's been people who have committed crimes gone to court the gavel's been passed the judges said hey listen we all know you're guilty Uh, you even admit you're guilty and uh, for your crimes you're going to not just jail you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty and did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row, it's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon